What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW World Heavyweight Champion. The ECW. When you want to load down the professional wrestling, come right here to the two-man power trip of wrestling. You'll get all the load down. <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the, on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just You said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. but Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's, uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. It's going to go right in my hand where I got it because there's only one way to deal with animals like this and that's the way they, they're they used to, with a stick. I remember the words of Theodore Roosevelt. You know what those were? Speak softly but carry a heavy stick. And that is exactly what I'm going to do with my match coming on because if you got to treat this man the way it is, he doesn't want to follow the rules. All right, so I am wrestling him no disqualification. All right, no disqualification, Java Rook. You see this? You see this? It's not going to be around my waist anymore. It's going to be around my hands. If I have to use it against you, I'm going to do it because there's no stopping you. You're a wild animal. You're a wild man. Well, that's good because I wrestled you before and now I know your type. Now I know what I got to do with you. Now I have the experience that it takes to beat you. Before I couldn't do it. Now I'm going to do it. It is for the America's title and it is to your rules. No disqualification. Well, remember just one simple little thing, my man. I am the champion, you're after me, and you're going to have to come and get me. And I'm not this gonna go is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the return of Spartacon. On Saturday, August 13th and Sunday, August 14th, head on over to the Blue Crab Stadium in Waldorf, Maryland for the only dedicated Spartacus fan convention in the United States, complete with live action gladiator battles inside the arena, exclusive celebrity meet and greets with the stars of the television show Spartacus, and so many more unique events. Please get on over to Red Serpents.com for more information on Spartacon 2 and please stay tuned. 
a little bit later on in the show to find out how you could win a Spartacon 2 Fan Ultimate Gift Package, courtesy of our friends over at theredserpents.com and the people behind Spartacon 2, the return of Spartacon. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz, and we want to thank you so much for joining us for episode 198 of the two-man power trip of wrestling as we march forward to the milestone episode number 200, and as we reflect upon 198 prior episodes and we think about the guest list that we've had to date, today's guest fits in perfectly with a couple episodes, being that his family has joined us, his opponents have joined us, and today, John, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who today's guest is? Yes, Chad, back here again for another amazing episode at the two-man power trip of wrestling, and today we have a guest that we didn't really think we'd ever get on the show but we got him on anyway. He is a Chavo Guerrero Sr., also affectionately known as a Chavo Classic. This was a really, really fun interview we got to do with Chavo Sr. We got to talk about, obviously, the Guerrero family. You can't talk about, you know, one without talking about the other. We had Hector Guerrero on at one point, and he was another awesome interview. And, of course, you know, we talked about Gory Guerrero with both Hector and Chavo Classic. We also talked a little gory with Chavo Jr. as well. So we're kind of piling the Guerreros up here and, and having a real fun time interviewing them all. So, you know, as I digress here, the Guerrero family legacy, the lineage, the legendary, iconic Guerrero family name, it starts with the oldest brother, that is obviously Chavo Sr., then we obviously got Mondo, Hector, and in my humble opinion, the greatest of them all, Eddie Guerrero, who's arguably top five, top ten wrestlers ever in the history of the business. So whenever you put any of that collection together and include Eddie in it, you know it's going to jump up a notch. And then you just look into the career of Chavo Sr., and it's just amazing. I mean, he has literally, literally wrestled everywhere i mean think about it nwa all over the place los angeles for nwa hollywood when when he was just having an awesome run over there jcp mid-atlantic wwf the just plain old wwf wb obviously wcw world class mid-south obviously then when it became uwf new japan all Japan, AAA, CMLL, the war promotion. I mean, and I'm missing a bunch. He's literally wrestled everywhere and made his mark everywhere he went. Just a great, great worker, fantastic in the ring, and a real true ring general. And it's just only fitting that his younger brothers after him also you know, kind of fell in him and his father's footsteps and just being that ring general and that great wrestler, that sort of wrestler that you just can throw in there with anyone and he'd be able to have a good match so sit back and uh, relax for this one we're going to go through quite a journey through a legendary run for Chavo Sr. Absolutely and we please obviously we always ask you go back and listen to these episodes that we reference specifically the Hector Guerrero episode where Hector just 
he laid it all out there and gave us some fantastic stories about teaming with his brothers and teaming all over the world in wrestling different styles, but also talking about their legendary father, Gory Guerrero. And what was cool to talk to Chavo about it is that we were kind of able to fill in some gaps and also get Chavo's perspective on some of the stories and also his views on some of the matches and some of the scenarios that they were in as a family, either growing up in the business or working together in the business. And one thing that conveys so well in this interview is Chavo's undeniable passion for professional wrestling as he still continues to get out there and do what he does best, and that is be a professional wrestler. And he talks about heading to Japan in a few weeks to compete over there, and it's obviously it's so great to see somebody as legendary as Chavo Sr. still get in the ring, still do what he does best. And John, I mean, he told us so many great stories, but I mean, I have a couple personal favorites, but what would you say, what would you pinpoint as what are some of your highlights or some of the personal favorite stories shared by the one and only Chavo Guerrero Sr. on today's episode? Yeah, you know, favorite story or kind of the favorite part of the interview for me, I would have to say, is the feud slash friendship with one of the greats of all time, Rowdy Roddy Piper. If anyone is not familiar with this feud, please go on YouTube or wherever you need to go to find some footage of of this feud. It was off the charts. It's a three-year feud, so you don't see that very often nowadays, obviously. I mean, you usually see a couple months feud or a quick little feud here and there. But this is a three-year run of a feud that was just crazy. I mean, Piper was managing guys against Chavo. They were having great matches. And then when they got in the ring together, awesome chemistry. Some of the best chemistry you'll see two guys have. And we talked to Chavo, obviously, about his chemistry with Tatsumi Fujinami, one of the greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time. But then we talked to him about Roddy Piper and the chemistry that they had and how much different it was. Because Chavo, more of a wrestler's wrestler. Obviously, Fujinami, if you want to you know, go back and talk about him again, another great wrestler. But Piper, more of that brawler, boxer, you know, gritty type. So, it was a mesh of styles with the boxer versus the wrestler. So it was very interesting to talk about that feud and how they were just able to mesh so damn well together. It's one of the greatest feuds of all time. It's one of those feuds like in Eddie versus Mysterio that we talk to uh, Chavo about in the interview. It's like a flare steamboat. It's like a Misawa versus Kawada. It's just like two guys just mesh together so well and create that chemistry and it's golden. They might be completely different. They might be completely opposite, but when they get in the ring together, mesh together their skills, it's just unbelievable chemistry comes of it. So that's one of the feuds that we absolutely love talking about, one of my favorite parts of the whole interview. And what's really cool about it is not only were they great inside the ring together, but outside the ring together as well as they were best friends for many many years and we get some real emotion out of Chavo Sr. there so that is something definitely definitely I would look forward to in this interview and it's probably one of the high spots for me as far as this interview is concerned. A definite raw emotion, to say the least, when he talks about his epic feud with Rowdy Roddy Piper and also the absolute passion and emotion that he has while discussing his father, the late, great Gory Guerrero, his brother, the late, great Eddie Guerrero, as well as his brothers Mondo, his brother Hector, and also his son Chavo, as he just goes down memory lane about all of the things happening with the Guerrero family from training in the backyard in a ring to how all that footage was taken to it being so second nature to them 
as a family to learn professional wrestling how they did. This is an absolute gem and quite a coup for the two-man power trip to add this one to the library. And please go back and check out the episodes with Hector and also with Chavo Guerrero Jr. Because it's an extreme compliment to what this interview was and what this episode is. And that is an absolute tribute to the Guerrero family. We want to thank Chavo Sr., the original Chavo Guerrero, a.k.a. Chavo Classic, for coming on with us. And we would love to talk about his book which hopefully will be coming out soon that he does reference quite a few times in the interview. So we look forward to that. But we also want to remind you that episode number 198 of the two-man power trip of wrestling is brought to you by our friends over at Spartacon 2. And on Saturday, August 13th and Sunday, August 14th, Spartacon 2 returns to the Blue Crab Stadium in Waldorf, Maryland. Head on over to redserpents.com for more information, a complete list of all the celebrities in attendance, and how you can get a couple special hotel deals for those coming out of town if you are going to attend Spartacon, which we know you will, and if you would like to be in the running for an epic Spartacon 2 gift package Hit us up at bookings at tmptfwrestling.com or on Twitter at WrestlingPal and at Two Man Power Trip and tell us who is your all-time favorite guest of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. Is it Chavo Sr.? Is it Chavo Jr.? Is it Hector Guerrero? Is it Stan Hansen? Is it the Demon Kane? Is it Dean Ambrose? Is it Diamond Dallas Page? Head on over to bookings at tmptofwrestling.com or on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Let us know, and we will draw that name on episode number 200 on August 12th. And stay tuned to episode 199 to find out who the guest of episode number 200 is. And John, with all that being said, hit him with a little bit of Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling business and get it on over to Chavo Guerrero Sr. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Rasslin' Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, check out the feed for some past legendary episodes with the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, Stan the Lariat Hansen, WB's lead attorney, Jerry McDivitt. Sergeant Slaughter, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, The Total Package, Lex Luger, Road Warrior Animal, The Phenomenal AJ Styles, The WWE World Champion Dean Ambrose, and so, so, so many more. Also, you can check us out weekly on Wrestling Inc. Yes, that's WrestlingInc.com. Check us out over there. Also, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. That is TMPTOfWrestling.com. Also, while you're surfing the net, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. We have a site on there. And also, Buff Bagwell has a page. Kevin Thorne has a page. Tito Santana has a page. And so does Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf. So please check out ProWrestlingTees.com and buy the shirts. And now, without any further ado, a former WWE Cruiserweight Champion, a former... New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Japan Pro Wrestling, and NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion. He is affectionately known as Chavo Classic. He is one of the legendary members of the iconic Guerrero family. He is Chavo Guerrero Sr. Please enjoy. 
favorite interviews that we've done. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I think we were actually promoting his web show uh, at the time, and uh, he's just such a fascinating guy to get to talk to because he just he does so much, you know. And it's kind of hard when you want to stick to wrestling when he's got so much other stuff going on. But it was still it was one of the best I think we've ever done. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff going on, man. Good for him, right? Oh, he can uh, just from wrestling. I mean, he's he's done what uh, none of us have done, and there's a hell of a shit load of us. So that's good. I'm happy for him. I'm proud of him. He's doing really, really, really fantastic. Oh yeah, totally. And I just saw he's got a comic book and and some other stuff coming out. It's like he's really conquering every medium that you can. Yeah, and he's getting into Hollywood, you know, doing his thing here and there, and uh, does that Lucha Underground, and doing some other stuff now, you know, I I, I just don't, you know, I, uh, he's got so much going, which is great. Oh, uh, without a doubt, well, if you're, uh, if you're all ready to go, so are we, and we're uh, going to talk a little old school wrestling, the Guerrero family, and we're going to have a lot of fun. All right, well, joining us on the line tonight is a member of the illustrious Guerrero family. In the past, the two-man powership of wrestling has had the honor of speaking with his brother, Hector, and also his son, Chavo Jr. And it's my pleasure to welcome in, at the time, a former WWE Cruiserweight champion, a former New Japan and All Japan and NWA Junior champion. He is the one and only Chavo Classic, a.k.a. Chavo Guerrero Sr., Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Great to be here talking with you guys. Oh, it's our honor. And like I said, a member of the illustrious Guerrero family. Like, we didn't get that already, but we are so honored to talk to you because when we talk about the Guerreros, whether it's with, like I said, your brother Hector or your son Chavo, or we talk about it with a guest who's worked with you or worked with any of your family members, they always go above and beyond to speak about you guys in the highest light, and obviously we start with your father and through all of your brothers and all the family that you have in professional wrestling. And I usually like to talk about the legacy at the end of the show, but I want to start with the legacy of the Guerrero family still going strong in 2016. And what does it mean for you to see the Guerrero name living on in such infamy as we still go through week-to-week professional wrestling and the Guerreros are still a constant in professional wrestling? Well, well, uh, a couple of things there. Um, the Guerrero family, you know, started with my father, Gory Guerrero, but uh, we also have a school from my uncle, Enrique Yanis. You know, he, he was a pro wrestler, my, my mother's brother. That's actually how my father and my mother met. They used to wrestle against each other, but, you know, at that time, very much okay fave. They became good friends. Not good friends, but, you know, they respected the way they talked to each other outside the ring. And uh, and uh, he invited my father over to his house, and he met my mother, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, then he had a judo school. We learned a lot. Of, we were there about two years in Mexico because we'd go back and forth. You know, when my father was a wrestler, every uh, state just about was a little territory. So we'd go from state to state every six months, uh, uh, and uh, get uh, and then we go back to Mexico here and there because they had a my dad bought a home over there and. And so we, you know, we did some schooling there. And some, but we always put us, he always put us in an American school down there. So anyway, my uncle had a judo school, and so we, you know, we just grew up uh, wrestling all our lives, and and uh, and uh, that's all we ever wanted to be. And my never, my dad never forced us. 
But he did say, if you're going to wrestle, I'm, you're going to be trained by me, which we were already being trained anyway, so we go from there. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, you know, we've had the chance to uh, kind of see on the inside of the Guerrero family with uh, all the WWE-produced material on Eddie and getting to show you guys a part of a couple of uh, pretty fascinating features they've done on, you know, families in wrestling and, and brothers in wrestling, and we've got to see that you guys actually had a ring in your backyard and you could see the kids oh, in there in early age. But what All that, was it like at was, that age, you know, growing up with with your dad and learning at such a young age, and really becoming a pro before anybody really could, uh, you know, basically do anything uh, like illegally drive or uh, or do anything else and get a job. <laughs> well, well, you know, Mondo and I, we were the closest between. Uh, I'm the oldest, than Mondo, and then Hector, and and uh, but Mondo and I are a year and a half apart, and and. Uh, you know, at the one time, it was just my sister Mary, uh, the eldest of us all, myself and Mondo, and, and uh, you know, we, we'd practice, uh, we'd make little rings here and there out of, you know, whatever we could, but, you know, we we were we were already wrestling before we, we even know we were playing around, but, you know, we, we'd do the entrance, and, uh, you know, because we'd go with my dad here and there, he was our hero, he was our, he was our Superman, he was our dad, he was... He was our idol. He was everything, man. You know, and so we we in our minds, you know, that was that. That's what we were going to be. I mean, there was no doubt about it. And, yeah, uh, and then you know, and then the way he trained us, he didn't say, okay, let's learn how to drop kick by far. You know, he taught us the basics, and 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 he had us going through amateur, which we loved, and uh, we did the judo and a little karate here and there, and jujitsu and. But we, you know, stuck with the wrestling and, and did it in high school. Then I did it in college and, and coached it in high school, several high schools, actually. Um, then turned pro, and and uh, and I'm still doing it. I'll be going to Japan in two weeks, brother. 67 years old and still rock and rolling, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, and, you hey, know, it's so cool. awesome, man. Praise God. Praise God on that. He still gives me the ability and... And I still work out, and uh, I can still do it. And you know what? The main thing about it is I still have fun. And it's always fun to get up there and, and and give a good show, not just get up there and use the name. But get up there and, you know, of course, you know, you got to respect your age, and, and, uh, you, you, but you give the people their money's worth, and, and, and they know and you respect your age, and, and, uh, and you give them a good match. And, and that's come out, and you're, you're satisfied, and you give them their money's worth, and, and uh, who knows? Maybe another tour here and there. But uh, I'm ready for any time, brother. <laughs> that's uh, that's fantastic. At 67, you're still getting the ring. You're still yes, mixing sir. it up. But and do a good job. And do a good job. Not just get up the only there. Way. I get I up there. That's fine. That's right. Nice. That's the way the Guerrero uh, family would do it. But let's talk about that footage if we can, because obviously, you know, it's uh, it's it's. It's quite fascinating. I mean, some people's home movies are them opening up Christmas morning presents, and this we get to see an inside look to a family learning the ropes of pro wrestling. But was that the norm for you to have that kind of footage uh, being filmed at a young age and also, you know, really, you know, just getting out there all the time, learning from your dad and learning with your brothers? Was that just the, the absolute norm to do that on a daily basis? Absolutely. I mean, you know, that footage was shot by my father with an 8-millimeter camera. And, uh... And Vince, you know, he kind of added to where more, most of those people wrestling there is my wrestling team that my dad took. 
But yeah, man, he would take film of us, you know, whenever he was around because he was always wrestling. My mother was, was you know, by that footage was shot in North Carolina, El Paso. Some of it was in Amarillo, Texas. Some of it was in St. Joe, Missouri. Some of it was in Mexico. So it's like uh, this footage is like a worldwide situation, bro. And then, uh, you know, when Eddie asked me, hey, man, can you, my dad had already passed. I think Mondo had all the all the eight millimeters, and and we sent. Uh, I sent them to Eddie. I said, "Well, you know, do what you, you remember where it came from." And you know, to Vince put it in editing, I think he did a good job, and uh, helped Eddie out. I'm sure he, you know, and he returned the tapes, and he returned, you know, everything on a on a DVDs and stuff like that. But uh, never got paid for it. But I guess Haiti did. I don't know, man. But yeah, man. I mean, we were used to it. We didn't really think about it. You know, it's like an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing. We grew up with my father, and and, and wrestling to us was part of life. It was normal. It was, it was, uh, you know, go home and uh, I would shine my father's shoes. You know, his wrestling shoes, and and uh, they had to be shiny, brother. Anything you did had to be done to perfection, including wrestling. So you know, it, it was it was great to pack his gear, and you have you know we had a list. You better put this right because if, if you get to the arena and he didn't have a one shoe of, of one or one shoe of another, you better watch out, brother. You you'd be you'd be busted for about a week. <laughs> so yeah, he was very strict, man, very very strict, but a perfectionist wow. again. But you know that that helped us in. Uh, you think back and. and and it helped us a lot to be what we are today. You know, he was—he never left us. And, and you know, being in this business, you have a lot of opportunities. And uh, he always set up the house over our head, and, and we always had food. And and he took us wherever wherever he went, man. Most of the time, so we're like like gypsies. You know, one territory here, one territory there. We come back to Texas, and they put put us down one grade. Then we get out there, they put us up one grade. We go to Mexico, and it was, it was a wow, man. But we loved it. You know, we just, uh, we were the big, old, happy family. And uh, until we went to El Paso and settled down there where, where Eddie was born, when my dad started promoting, and, and where I did my high school and, and my college there, and, and coached for three years before I went on the circuit. So, oh, yeah, man, it's, uh, we were used to it. It's not like, oh, wow, look, he's taking pictures. No, it was, you know, part of life. That's a great, uh, that's a great life. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. And obviously, you know, we talked to Hector, and he gave us some great stories about your father and some of the legendary matches and some of the, just the mayhem that he caused in those arenas down in Mexico oh, and just became an absolute legend. But... You know, I'll tell you what, one of the things that I think everybody should know is that your father was a, a major, you know, inventor of moves and that he was, he was the main guy. He was the main yeah, he was the main shooter in Mexico, brother. A shooter means somebody that knows how to break your wrist if he if he needs to or break your ankle or, or, or maim you. And he was the main guy. I mean he worked his best to get there. And he was tried in the United States also. It's in my book. You know, I I'm writing a book, it's almost out. I'm just waiting for the right time. And uh, he was a main man, and uh, he was very well-respected, and he earned that right. Now, I don't know if Hector went into any of the wrestling with my dad when he was a bad guy in Mexico. Mando and I did uh, several times, and uh, I remember one time that 
there was a riot, and, you know, we were little, well, you know, maybe six, seven, or no, maybe, yeah, six, seven, eight, something like that. And uh, I remember that a riot broke up that my dad caused, and we were right in the middle, you know, you know, just watching, oh, shit, what's going to happen? And one of the wrestlers took us in, in uh, from the back of the shirt and from our pants and threw us in the dressing room because people were coming, brother. They were coming, and my dad got very mad. You know, now, you know, we kind of laugh about it, but it was still some serious situation. They shot at my dad one a couple of times, man, uh, several times, you know. He was, uh, they call him the, I don't know if Hector told you, but his nickname was the 9999, because at that time, the maximum uh, uh, fine that they could give you for disturbing the peace was 99 pesos and 99 cents, and he would get arrested every single night. He was on the front page of the newspaper. And Armando, my brother Armando, his real name is Armando, when he was born, my dad, Armando means causing. He caused a riot. So they named him Armando, Armando Broncos. And that's a true story. That's amazing. It's crazy to think that, you know, that happened in the wrestling business. But during those days, it was kind of more common. Obviously, we, we, you never see that nowadays. But with your dad being Gory Sr., when you started in the wrestling business, did you always want to be Gory Jr.? Or was that just kind of put on you? Me? Myself? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, hell yeah, I want to be Gory Jr. Actually, I wrestled under Gory Jr. for, you know, when I first wrestled in my first wrestling match was, was Gory Guerrero Jr. Uh, maybe I wrestled maybe two or three times. And uh, and then my father, you know, he said one of the, he was already promoting both Juarez and El Paso and had TVs in both cities, the only person that has ever done that and successfully. And he just set me down, and uh, I mean, not sitting down, but you know, we're conversing, and I think it's one after one of the shows, and because you know, we used to, as a family, work together, taking tickets, selling tickets, <clears throat> putting up rings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, you know what? You've always been Chavo. That's a nickname for Salvador. That's my real name, Salvador. Uh, why don't you go as Chavo? And, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to be Jorge Guerrero Jr., brother. And he said, well, you know, as it is, you're going to have a big package. They choose to, to fill. Uh, and then, yeah, I kind of thought about it. I said, yeah, whatever you think, Dad. And, you know, and he always had the right neck. And uh, so I went his travel from there on, man. And it sucked. Your dad, obviously, one of the, you know, the starters of the family, obviously, but one of the greatest during his time period of wrestling. But when you and your brother, Hector, you guys start to make your own name for yourself, and you end up in championship wrestling from Florida, what was your time like down there? Because you and Hector made quite an impact and were quite a good tag team down there in Florida. Well, you know, at the time, you know, I had Japan. And, and Japan, I I got over in Japan very, very good. And, you know, I was making some good money, a lot more than what they were paying me in the States. And I had, you know, I, I didn't want to work for certain promoters because they, they didn't respect my work. They didn't pay me what I wanted. And they, and they you know, uh, when it was time for me to go to go to Japan, which I had already told them, I said, you can't go. And I said, what do you mean I can't go? No, no, well, we got you booked. I said, well, I first of all, I told you, you know, that I was going to go. Second of all, I can see your point, but pay me what they pay me over there. Oh, we can't do that. Well, then I'll see you. So, you know, I was kind of. 
black ball here and there, and I was looking for a territory to go to, and, and Dusty was booking, and I knew Dusty pretty good. And, you know, Dusty told me, you know, I, I can't afford you, man. I said, you know what, brother, just give me some work. And, and then Hector was down there, and, and we tagged up, and uh, and once we got it going, then we didn't get it going right away. You know, Hector had his own thing going. I had my thing going, and I wanted to be the leader. And, of course, you know, he had his own other thing, and he was there before I was. But once we got it going, brother, we were unstoppable, man. I don't know if he told you the story with uh, one of the referees. I think his last name was Tommy Tommy Young, I think that was his name, out of mm. Charlotte. And uh, he was, you know, he was a, a baby-faced referee. You know, he wanted all the... So he went down to Florida. They kind of sent him to Florida for about three months to, you know, to change, uh, you know, to get him out of the spotlight a little bit. And he came down and, and he said, man, you guys put too much heat on me. And I said, okay, okay, sure. So we, Hector went able to Orlando, Florida, I remember. Hector and I went out and we did everything behind his back, brother. I mean, it, we were so, at that time, we were so coordinated. We were thinking the same. We, you know, we knew when where we were, where the other guy was in, in the ring. You always have to know where you are in the ring. At, and, and we did everything behind his back, and he was so hot because he got a lot of heat. You know, <laughs> we came back, hey, you didn't see us, did you? Well, I said, there you go. You're not, you know, it takes, it takes you're, you're part of the show, brother, but don't get overconfident here. We're the stars. You know, we, we, that's right. And uh, so we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. And uh, once we got it going, we got it going, brother. And nobody could touch us, man. It's almost like when I saw Chavo and Eddie, once they got it going with the Guerreros, the Guerreros, brother, <clears throat> reminded me, me, excuse me, not the same, of course, you know, same, not the same style. They, they were, uh, we had our own thing going. But uh, we, uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, when Hector and I had, had it really going. And we were really having fun. They made us a lot of money. I can guarantee you that, man. Hmm. We did text to tell you about the Bahamas when we used to go there, man. No, no. Oh, Lester Welch. <clears throat> Crooked Lester Welch. You've heard of Crooked Hillary Clinton, what Trump calls her, right? I'm not in the, I mean, that's her personal opinion. I'm in the, my, my opinion is no matter on politics. But uh, Lester Welch, brother, he he would fly the plane down, and every time we went down, about six, seven times, he always got robbed. Oh, we got robbed. So we never got paid for the Bahamas, but we had a hell of a time. Had a heck of a time. So we had a lot of fun down there, man. A lot of, lot of fun, a lot of partying, boy. Oof. But uh, <laughs> that's the story on, on, on Florida, man. That is great. What was your relationship? Actually, actually, we took the we became the the uh, United States Heavyweight Champions, and we took those belts over to Japan with us. They asked from well, you know, it was I was over like a son of God. So since well, was obtained with Hector, they asked for us, and we took the belts, and uh, and we had some pictures made there with them. And I don't I don't remember. I think we defended them once up there. But it was a uh, a, a junior uh, a junior tag team title that was you know Japan style and um, and uh, I think we came in we went to the finals and lost in the finals but it was you know it was good. Now, what was your time like in Japan? Because you know you said you were over in Japan, you were getting paid right in Japan. You were literally wrestling some of the best wrestlers of all time and some of the top names in the business. 
over there in Japan. So what was your time like over there in Japan? Oh, brother, like I said, I'm writing a book, man. So my time in Japan at first, you know, real, real basic. At first, I didn't like it. You know, it's like everybody else. You go to a different country, and, and you're like, what the hell, man? You don't like the food. You don't like this. You don't like that. But once you get to get their style, and, you know, Japanese, you don't know the language. It's so different. That uh, and, and Japanese are very jealous, brother. They're very jealous about their language. Even guys that I would I had seen here and, and, and had been, you know, take them to the, uh, you know, help them out a little bit here and there because they didn't know too much English. Over there, they don't even talk to you. you know, oh no, this is Japan. So it was hard. And so you, once you once you get to see the ways they how to maneuver, how to how to maneuver yourself around and 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 uh, I mean you can stay in your hotel room all day long, but and do nothing, but you'll go crazy. When I used to get out and learn how to take the subway and not you ask and always take the card and learn a little Japanese here and there. And, and once I did that, man, oh, my goodness, I I love Japan. I mean, I'm looking forward to going two weeks. It's just, you know, so it's it's uh, very exciting. I used to like their style a lot because there was more wrestling, and that's my, that's my forte, you know, for wrestling all my life. And once I got there, you know, that's all. It, that's how I started. I didn't start. I, my dad, you know, first match I had, I was right out of college, man. So all I knew and did was wrestling, and you know, put a little bit into a little timing here with some high spots that I was learning, and and uh, I had some good leaders too in L.A. You know, I, I worked with Dory, Terry, Buckwinkle, Superstar. Uh, God, I, I can go down the line. The Infernos, uh, Roddy and I started together, I mean, in L.A., and we learned every night for three years, and we had to win all kinds of crazy matches. And we also, you know, we used to wrestle team matches, and we had, almost had to knock the hell out of each other on hard ways because we had to wrestle so many times for people to believe it. You know, the better you become in, as a wrestler, the more people look at you to see, no, no, there's got to be something false about this guy. He's too good. So you got to improve yourself every time. And be, you know, that's a big secret here, if you want to call it a secret. Our job is to convince those people that it's, you know, it's real and, and, and that you're busting your ass up there. But at the same time, you've got to protect each other because you got to wrestle each other every night. You don't want to maim the other guy, especially if you're making money because, hey, hey, that's a tool. So it was you know, Japan was very, uh, you know, first first night you got there, it was TV, and and you didn't know where the hell they were going to come from. You know, they're going to slap you or the referee's giving you instructions. Or, but once, once you got to the first night and beat the hell out of them, because they were surely trying to beat the hell out of you, then after the rest of the tour was pretty simple. Except for TV days, it was, you know. But you, 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 you get you in after... About fifty sometimes, after about uh, two or three times, like I said, I went with <clears throat> some good, good uh, leaders up there, and, and I learned fast. I learned fast, man. And my thing was wrestling, and if you want to bring it on, bring it on, man. And I, you know, I was taught to defend myself, and pretty good, and I got better as time went on. And uh, I'm still here, bro. It's great. As you're in New Japan Pro Wrestling, facing the likes of Tatsumi Fujinami, who's just, you know, an absolute legend over there, a guy like Antonio Inoki. Do you have fond memories of wrestling, you know, the big Japanese names at the time? 
Well, you know, it's 1499, there's some certain people you gel with all of a sudden. Boom, boom. I mean, the first time you, you, you lock horns, you, you, you gel. Just, and his style and my style just seemed to, to, uh, to captivate them. We loved it. And he, he, I had a counter and he had a counter and, and we did it with grace and we just was gelled together and the people bought it, man. And that's what started getting me over with Fujinami, man. Well, of course, you know, I've been in L.A. for about a year already, and, and I had wrestled all these guys, and all this publicity was going to Japan about, you know, meeting North Funk and wrestling Terry Funk and, and uh, Buck Winkle and, and uh, Superstar. So, you know, by the time I got there, I was pretty, they, they called me the giant killer because, shit, I'm, I must have been 190 then. I was soaking wet. But uh, I had to prove myself, bro. But they liked it. And like I said, Fujinami and I just happened to gel. And then I learned how to become a general in the ring, how to lead people, how to make them look good and make and keep myself looking good. And and then, they, you know, that, that's what I started making some other boys, especially in the junior heavyweight. They would put me with them and I'd make them look good. And one of them was Onita, you know. Look at him big now. Look how big he got. So, you know. It was uh, a learning experience, and, and I, I got to give back, and they respected me very much in Japan. They respected my work. The people respected me. I got paid good. I got very good, and I they always kept their work to me. And and uh, something that the promoters really didn't do, except maybe Bill Watts, well, let's just say maybe Bill Watts was probably, besides my father, of course, Bill Watts here in Mid-South, you know, he, uh, but that's in my book, so getting too far into that, but, you, you know. So, yeah, basically, you know, you, you, you have to know how to, when you go to Japan, like in Mexico, they say the best wrestling is in Mexico, in the, in the United States, the same, in Japan, the same. So you got to go to Japan and, and convince and, and wrestle, uh, correlate your style with their style and make it look good. And, you know, my thing was fast moving and flying at the right time, not just any time, at the right time and and uh and making their voice look good and and uh, and uh and just working really, really hard to where it was almost a shoot. And, you know, got some good boys that could that could actually wrestle. And it was chain wrestling and, and then put some moves in there and and then my, my flying and, and you know, your timing. Timing has a lot to do with it. Your timing in the ring. So when to do it, when not, you know, at the right time, where you know where you are in the ring at all times, know the people, don't let the people control your, you, you know, your communication with your people. I don't care what language they speak, it's your face. It's, that's your facial communication. So you learn stuff like this, and I was just, I'm not going to say a natural, but, you know, I loved it. I used to watch my dad, I used to watch all these matches, I used to watch myself after matches. And then always improving, always improving. And then you get to where it becomes so natural, man. You just get up there and, and do it. I feel like great wrestling is always a, you know, there's no language barrier when there's great wrestling. You see it and you know exactly what it is. And you in Japan just you had that going on. And you had great matches with so many well, legendary guys out there. Did you really right. you know, like New Japan better or did you like All Japan better? Brother. I liked them all. New Japan was, uh, you know, it was good. They just kind of lied to me there a little bit. But that was Mike LaBelle there. Uh, and then, you know, uh, 
New Japan offered me more money, and that, that's in my book. That story's in my book. It's got to do with Terry Funk, and and Abdullah had switched over, and and it's a, it's a good story. It's a good story. And they offered me more money, and I took off with the belt, brother. Call me whatever you want to call me. I made a lot more money, and, uh, you know, and, and Baba, I never signed a contract. Just his work, his handshake, and he kept his work, and uh, very grateful to him. And then I went over for, you know, like, <clears throat> several uh, ten who had war going and something else revolution or something and I went over for a goal, real my goal, I don't know if you remember him. I think he passed away already and and did a couple of shots. Then I went over for Fujinami in two thousand and eight. And I'm going over to Independent. I think we're doing an all Japan show and we're doing um taking up with Onita. So it's gonna be fun, man. It's gonna be a lot of fun. You know Teaming with him instead of wrestling him. Remember uh, your great feud with him. The what now? I'm sorry. Onita, you had a great feud with him. So your team. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I made Onita. I made you know. Then becoming a, a general, you know, uh, and most of these kids were young kids. So you just uh, you know, and so you they don't speak their language. So <laughs> they don't speak yours. So you gotta kind of just you know, with wrestling, just show them that easy, easy cowboy. You know, I'll tell you when I'll tell you when to start uh, uh, going. You know, when to start running. Just so you know, and it's fun. Once once you become a general, it's it's um, and sometimes you get tired of it because shit, they you got to take their 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 punches, and sometimes they they don't know how to punch. And oh my god, man, you got to watch it. You got to watch them. You got to watch them, man. You got to watch yourself too. So it's, uh, it's a little hard, but it's challenging. If you like the business, if you like wrestling, it's challenging, and, and the main thing is, is, to, is, is to do it. Once you get a little match and you're satisfied with your match, so it could always be better, but you're satisfied with the work you did, whatever your job is, whatever you, and then, hey, all right, now pay me. Hmm. Well said. Did you see Anita becoming a big star kind of when you were bringing him along and kind of making him? Did you see him as that big star? Yeah, yeah, he had that charisma. They were pushing him, and, and you could tell the people, you know, they they were loving him, and, and the newspapers, you know, and, and the TV and, and the way they had me with them, and and we did a couple of things there. And then he hurt his knee, and, uh, and they did a little tournament, which, you know, they tried to get some other people in there, but... They, they they couldn't do it, so they Bonita came back and you know there's certain people that that have that natural thing, brother, or or at the right place at the right time, whatever you want to call it. And Bonita was one of those guys, man. And then he went on his own and and uh, you know did some other crazy with uh, barbed wire and all that. But he oh, yeah. then became a politician and I don't know what he's doing now. But uh, you know. Uh, it's hard in Japan because see, when you think you got them figured out, that's the least time you think that, that you have figured them out. You'll never figure them out. Hmm. I'm telling you. I'm, I mean, every time I thought I had them figured out, brother, boom, they do a double cross. God, God, what, what didn't I figure out here? So you just go with the flow, man. Have fun and wrestle and get your money and and try not to get hurt and uh, keep your nose clean, brother, and keep on going. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hmm. Oh yeah, and you know one of your you had so many good tag team partners in Japan too. 
mean, Dusty, Bad News Brown, or Bad News Allen. But Andre the Giant really sticks out to me as a, as a great tag partner for you. So much different. What was it like with Andre? Do you have any good Andre the Giant stories? Oh, well, you know, Andre, you, you just, he led. And, and when you came in, you tried to wrestle and do anything. But it didn't matter what you do. He was going to come in and, and overshadow everybody. But he worked. Believe it or not, Andre knew the knew the, the concept of the business. He knew the timing. He knew that it was a three-man tag, three against three, like when Tito and I were his uh, partners. He, he knew. And, you know, he would make a match out of it. And then he'd come in at the right time, and, and he would let us do our thing, and, and uh, he would even get a little heat here and there. And he just worked good with us, brother. He, he, he was part of the gang. He wasn't just like, okay, I'm Andre. You guys are going to do your thing. No, 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 no. We, he made it a match. He, and it was all up to him. He, he could, you know, I wrestled him one time in, over there, and he played with me a little while. And when it was time to go, let's go. That's in my, my book, too. That's a good story. But you know, he was uh, Andre was just not only a big man. He, he was athletic. He had the timing down, and he had the, the the business in his head. He knew how to do business, and 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 he knew how to go up there and 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 have a match with whoever, and uh, and have a tag team or uh, whatever it was. I've seen him battle royals. I mean, just you know, make it <laughs> exciting. We all knew he could with probably everybody at the same time. But he made it exciting. He let everybody shine at the right time, at the right boom, boom, boom. He did his thing, and now that's business. He had a concept. Plus, you know, he was Andre the Giant. Are those drinking stories true of Andre that he can drink? You know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of them are true, man. You know, I mean, he he loved to drink. You know, he was a very lonely man inside. You know. And, but he, he was one of the boys. I mean, you were with him, and it didn't matter. He was, uh, if you were looking at him in, in, you know, in ways. There's a lot of stories about Andre. Andre and I got to be pretty close. And they're in my book, man. You know, I, and that's no disrespect to you guys, but, hey, there's a book for a reason. Uh, a lot of stories about Japan and Andre and Dusty and, and uh, just about everybody, man, that I've hung around with, including my brother's. Sometimes I don't know if they're going to look like some of them, but hey, it's my book, right? So, uh, yeah, man. And there's someone I was in WWE, and several times I was in WWE, not just that one time. I was there before. And, you know, it's stories here and there in the territories in Mexico. And, uh, I've, and, you know, I've had a couple of, several people look at it already and and uh, given me their opinion, and they liked it. It's, it's, uh, it's an enjoyable read. And, and they, uh, so they think, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what was it that led you to write the book? Because obviously uh, the wrestling book is something that a lot of fans definitely they wait for, and especially somebody like you who's got the stories that, I mean, my gosh, we're like on the edge of our seats waiting to hear them, but we are ready for the book. So what was it that led you to write it after all these years? No, that's a good question. Well, you know, my dad, right before he passed, well, uh, two or three years, maybe four, he was uh, starting to write a book, and that's so when he went to Mexico, and and uh, he, they were going to do a benefit for him, uh, like an honorary benefit, and he, he was going to wrestle. And he started training, which makes it 5,000 feet above sea level. He had a, a stroke. So that kind of threw the book out. And, you know, after he passed, and me thinking, I just started, it's been about 10, 12 years that this happened, and I started just thinking, and, 
Well, and so I just started. I bought a big, big, big uh, book that they buy in Mexico for school. And, I mean, it's like like a album. About it. So I started just writing on it, and, and uh, then I would write on notes on paper here and there. And I wasn't really serious about it. I just started writing down stuff. And then, you know, little by little, here and there, here and there, and and uh, then I started to really get serious about it. And I found this uh, young man, Kurt Buckner. He's got that Not in Hall of Fame website. And he did an interview for me, and I really, really liked this interview and the way he wrote it. And, and we got to be pretty close during the interview, and, and I asked him if he, if he would, you know, you know what, uh, I'm going to write him a book, brother. i got a couple of chapters. So I, you know, by that time I had about 10 chapters. And uh, I said, take a look at it. So, you know, he got involved, and, and bam, and we got up now to, I think it's 76 chapters, 373 pages, man. And uh, But, man, it just uh, every time that I think I'm going to put it out, there's another chapter coming, like this Japan thing coming up. And But, you know, like I said, I'm just waiting for the right time. And people are like, well, what are you putting your book on? Well, you know, it's... It's almost done. I still edit a little here and add a little here. But for the most part, uh, I got a, uh, a uh, endorsement, what do you call it, a, a forward. I got several forwards from Gina Bell, Roddy Piper. I got one from Bill Watts. I got one from one of my students. And I coached, and he's, uh, he works for the district now as a uh, assistant superintendent. So, you know, I got I got some pretty good stuff going there. And I got a, a blurb by Rick uh, uh, Garnell. He uh, he's the one that made that uh, uh, that song, you know, that beat the Champ album and did the legend of Chavo Guerrero. That was a big honor too. So now there's uh, there's so much that one book. I mean, if you think of chapters as you go along, one book. I mean, my gosh, it doesn't seem to be enough. I'm sorry to uh, to cut you off there, but I just I got to know with writing the kind of book that you want to write, what's the story that you want to tell? Is it just about it your career itself? Make is it, it about fun. family, or is it just everything? Yeah, everything. History. You put a lot of history in there. Facts. You know, I I went back to when my dad was growing up, and what he told me, and and kind of related to wrestling. But yeah, mostly about wrestling, and and you put some stories in there, and you make it fun for the people to read. He just, you know, and and and, uh, and 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 they also want to know, you know, some hidden secrets about your family. That, but you know, you're, you want to be. Sometimes you have to be very, very diplomatic about writing them down because then you get family members against you. But you know, it, you, you just uh, you make it fun for the people. That's that's the main thing. Make it fun. Make it uh, an enjoyable reading. Interesting, of course, and follow a storyline. You know, you just can't go from one. From one uh, subject to another, and you got to follow a storyline. You got to follow it, and 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 then and, and 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 let it reach a crescendo. You know, it's like a wrestling. You you see, like a, a baby face, sell, 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 and then he makes a comeback. And let's go home, brother. I mean, you got the people up, and you don't know. You know, you got to go home at the wrong at the right time. So you want to end the book with a good boom, a good bang, and and having and wanting them to read more. You know, but uh, at the same time, give them uh, satisfaction and, and, and respect for the family and respect that, that they enjoyed the book. And, and you know, the, the, the most thing about it is I didn't write it to, 
to make money on them. If I do, well, fantastic, right? I wrote it for my satisfaction. I wrote it to tell my story, and, I, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of, of the way it's come out, and uh, I'm happy with it. I'm proud of it, and I'm proud of my family, and, and it kind of tells the Guerrero story uh, in my point of view, of course. And uh, I think it's a good. I think it's a good read. I know it's a good read. Can't wait for that book to come out. But you know, you well, thank you. About, thank you. You said something about Japan before. You said, you know, every time you know you they, you kind of think you have things figured out, they change it. And I can't help but think of that great Roddy Piper line. Every time you know you think you have the answers, I change the questions. So I gotta ask about your legendary feud. I know we touched on it before. But the awesome feud you had. In L.A. with the Hot Rod, Roddy Piper. Well, the feuds, well, it's one, brother. I mean, we had we were on for three years straight every every night. I mean, every night in uh, Bakersfield, San Bernardino, San Diego, Fresno, the Olympic TV, the Olympic house show, uh, San Jose. I mean, we were married for three years, at least. You know, every every night it just. But Roddy, you know, he, Roddy was not a wrestler. He was a brawler. He could beat the hell out of you anyway. But he was a brawler. He used to be. He used to box before he got wrestling. But but his charisma was tremendous, and his uh, his mic skills. Oh well, you, you all know about that. He could tell you land in the swamp, land of Florida, brother, and and and, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and make you pay double. Um, you know, he, there's a lot of stories in there. Roddy was just so he he would improvise so much and. And that voice he had, and, and uh, uh, we just, he's my best friend. I miss him very dearly. He was my best friend in in and out of the business. Um, we had some, uh, we shared some, some good times, some uh, hard times together. We kept some secrets from the promoters together, which nobody else could, was ever done. And uh, we talked, we talked a lot. Not as much as we should have, but we talked a lot on the phone. And, and uh, when we got together, oh, brother, him and I were just laughter ever. We turned like little kids, man, just just remembering old times. And, and uh, you, uh, you know, we'd be in the, up in some room partying, you know, after the match or something. And uh, we just had a great time all the time. And, and I could trust him with anything, and so, and so could he. So, you know, I miss him dearly. And, and there's a lot in my book. You know, we used to ride motorcycles together and go boating together. Oh, my God. And my brother. And, wow, there's a lot of good stories there, man. I mean, I love with Piper, brother. And we talked to Hector about it, too. He said that, you know, there's a couple feuds where just guys have unbelievable chemistry, almost like an Eddie and Rey Mysterio. And then he mentioned you and Piper having some of the best chemistry and some of the best matches he's yeah. ever seen. Well, like I told you, man, you know, there are some people that you just gel instantly, boom. You know, when Piper got there, they were giving me a push, and uh, you know, I said there, there was a lot of Mexican boys there, Gorman and Golan. They were very jealous, man. And he got there at a time when I was hated by the Mexican wrestler. I mean, they were so envious, and I didn't want to be there. I, I just wanted to wrestle. I just wanted. I didn't care if I was on the first match. I didn't want to be where they had me. And then I, they had to translate, you know, and sometimes I had to translate what, what Leo Garibaldi would tell me. They was like, do a job, and they would look at me like, if it was me. So when Piper got there, he got there in a rough time, and, 
So we worked on it together, and, and yeah, we gelled, man. The, the moment they, they put us together, you know, we just gelled. He let me do... At first, it was a little rough because, you know, he was... We were both young, and uh, I had to kind of tame him down a little bit. <laughs> you know, he was just all over me. Whoa, brother, give him the kid his value. Relax. So, uh, you know, and I learned a lot from him. You know, it's just unbelievable, man. We just knew what to do without without even looking at each other. We just get in the ring and just feel each other, and we already knew. And, of course, he was a great heat getter. I mean, he would even surprise me and really get some heat sometimes with me. And I would have to remember, hey, it's work, Jack. <laughs> you know, uh, just some of the things he said, and, hey, hey, you know, he was great. I mean, and then we just follow it up. And then, you know, he gave me, when it, one thing I always told him, I said, you know, when you get your heat, you get your heat. But when it's my time for a comeback, if you run, I'm going to chase you all the way to China, brother. I'm going to get my comeback. So you better keep it in the ring where people can see it. And, uh, you know, and, and Roddy, you know, I wasn't the only one. He wrestled a lot of people that, and he learned fast. And, and well, you can see the what, what what happened, man. He was one of those guys that, that had that charisma in his box office. Just box office, man. Everywhere he went, Oregon, uh, uh, North Carolina, New York, my goodness, just tremendous, tremendous. And they, they try to pull him down, too. They try to put him down and, and hold him down. You know, especially in New York. There are some stories there he told me. But uh, he got through it, and he was a tough old boy. He could he could defend himself, I'm telling you. If I would have any choose to have anybody besides my brothers, uh, on my, you know, back-to-back fighting somebody, it would be Roddy Piper, bro. He was a tough old boy. He's got quite a great reputation as well. You know, he's definitely one of the best of all time, without a doubt. Another another guy, which is great because you were so over at this point, but another guy, you had a WWF title shot against superstar Billy Graham, and he actually won. What was it like, you know, at that point being so over over there in L.A. that, you know, you're facing the WWF world champion, and, you know, you're not losing? Well, you know, when the world champions came in, Especially Charlie Race, man, Dory Funk, Terry Funk, uh, superstar, had his style, you know. And he was so you wrestled superstar, and it was always usually the same match: hit, punch, sell, come back, you know. But he did a good job for me, man. He got some juice for me and everything, and and uh, he put me over like a son of a gun. Uh, what was it wrestling him, brother? Like wrestling with a uh, you know, sometimes you feel the chops, and they feel good. <laughs> sometimes, well, yeah, because they don't, you know, they can sting a little bit, but you know it's a business. And sometimes you feel them, and they, I mean, you, 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 you they don't look good, and they, like especially in newcomers that, you know, they, they hurt you. They, they don't hit, they hit you in the nose, or well, wait a minute now. But superstar had the huge swab. He used to have his style, and they looked good, and and uh, and you know he had his style. You just go with his style, you know. He just punch, kick, and and get some heat, and let him do his uh, uh, whole team, and came out tremendous, man. He put me over like a son of a gun. 
another great legendary name that you mentioned before was Bill Watts. You said he was doing a forward for your book, or one of the forwards yeah. for the book. What was your time like down there with him in Mid South? And how did in my book, man, that's that's a very uh, good story there. And Bill Watts, you know, I tell you real quick, I, I couldn't stand Bill Watts. I hadn't even met him, but I heard his territories were were long. Driving was long, and his pay was horrible, and he was prejudiced. So when he saw me down in uh, down in Texas, and he asked me to go work for him, there's a story behind that too it's in the book. I said no, and he proposed something to me, and I said no, you just don't get it, no. And he finally proposed something to me, and I mean, even he, I would say I was not in my head yes, to think he no, and I went to work for him, and he kept every word of it, man. And he kept every word of it, and and he he uh, treated me fair, and and uh, when I tell you what, this is Bill Watts, and I don't know, I still to this, he said because I liked you, and when they had the he was always uh, hanging with me, or he would ask me to hang with him. Especially, like, for example, the they had a tournament down in New Orleans. It was the uh, Jim Crockett Memorial Tag Team Title Tournament. I think you, you might have heard of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, all the promoters were there, man. The Crockett's and everybody. So, you know, the promoters had their clicks, so they'd go out partying, and Bill would say, would always tell me you're with me, but what? You know, of course the boys. Hey man, what? How come he always touch you? What? Hey, I don't know. Ask him. And it was just every time he asked me to go with him, and uh, I was just building. You know, I didn't know why, but I, I acted my my role was, you know, to be there and not act. You know, I played my role, man, and I enjoyed it. I didn't really enjoy it that much to tell you the truth because I had to be kind of nice, you know, and shit. And I like to be rowdy and stuff. But, hey, he asked me to do it, and I was with the big guys, and I didn't know why he asked me, but I was there. Okay, cool, let's go. He respected me, and we had a good time, and that was it. Was it uh, 86? Did you guys wrestle the sheep herders that year, you and Hector? Oh, yeah, we beat the hell out of them, idiots. <laughs> you didn't like working the sheep herders? Well, brother, they were going over, and they didn't want to give us anything. Hmm. You know, usually the okay, I'll put you over, but you got to give me my my give me my spots, you know. And uh, Hector, I took over, and it wasn't nice. It wasn't a pretty match, but because they fought it, but Hector and I were two tough little uh, roosters, brother. We we don't give up easy, and we'll go after what we got. So we, you know, we kind of dominated the match at the right time. Okay, we put them over. And then they didn't go over to good with them, and the match didn't come out to good, but it was a choice, you know. They wanted to control everything. Hey, mate, hey, mate, my ass, brother. You guys are going over. We lead here. So that was a lot. We happened with the, the uh, Fantastics one time, too, Hector and I, and they thought it was a shoot. I said, shut up, man. It was a shoot. I was broken your arm. You know, things like that. But we're prepared. We're tough, and we were prepared all the time. Were you wrestling um, the Fantastics down in World Class for the Von Erichs? Did I wrestle for Fritz? Yeah, I wrestled for Fritz. Is that when you were uh, you had that story about the Fantastics when they gave you a problem? No, no, no. That was Mid South. That was Mid South. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, that was Mid South, and uh, it's in the book. Um, we were going out; they were coming in, and I think I don't even tell you it was in Beaumont, Texas. Man, I remember it like if it was yesterday. And Fergie was a referee, and he just laughed. He just said, what a bunch of goofs. 
Well, they tell me it's a shoot, it's a shoot. I said, shut up, man. If it was a shoot, I would have broken your arm, boy. Just <laughs> relax. Just relax. We'll tell you when. And uh, then I got back to Bill. Bill just left, you know. Uh, several, Bill treated me good, man. I was kind of a rebel. I've always been a rebel. Uh, but one time he called my bluff, and I said, I'm sorry. You know, he called me in the office, and I said, you know, I apologize, Bill. He said, all right, well, then, you know, Mantel was a booker, and he, he, he wanted me fired. And Bill said, no, 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 no. You, you got your work, Charles? I said, yes, sir. He let me, you know, that Mantel was pissed, but oh, well, too bad. <laughs> Terry Taylor, we had out with Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor fired us when he first got the book with, I don't know how he got the book. With Bill, you know, he used to travel with Bill. You know, I guess he he kind of worked on his mind. He got the book, and he wanted us to do something. We said, "Fuck you, man! We're not going to do it." It's in Houston. That was our town, man. We drew in Houston. We drew everywhere, but Houston was, you know, eight percent Mexicans. And uh, so Hector and I, we headed out. We, you know, after the match, something. Go, well, you know what? You guys are fired. Oh, okay. So then Bill called us. Hey, man. Ah, no, no, no. You're not fired. Come, just deal with me. Don't deal with Terry. So, you know, stuff like that, man. You know, just we just held our own. Um, but uh, a lot of those stories are in my book, brother. I mean, it seems like it would be a longer book. But, you know, you, you just tell short stories and and uh, get to the point, make it fun, make it interesting to read for the people. And, of course, it's my version, and it's my book. So, oh, well, too bad. But you know what? I don't like, brother. I don't like whatever's there is there. Like I said, maybe in my words, but it's it's all there. It's a biography. It's not a fiction. I was just curious because you and Hector faced so many good tag teams, and you guys had such a good run. I mean, just even think you just named the Fantastics and the Sheepherders, who obviously everyone is very familiar with, but then you throw in Rock and Roll Express, the Fabulous Ones, which you guys had a big-time feud with, the Freebirds. I mean, oh, you yeah. Did you enjoy teaming with Hector the most or Mondo? And I know you and Eddie have, have teamed, and obviously okay. you're in junior, but that's, 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 that's a hard question, but I'll, I'll answer it to you the best way I know how. In the United States, it was Hector. In Mexico, it was Eddie. In three-man tag in the United States, it was Mondo and Hector. In Mexico, it was Eddie and Mondo. So we put them all together there, and that's a fact. You can look at, you know, at the... At, at, what I said in Mexico, the, the three-man tag was Mondo, Eddie, and I. In Mexico, my 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 most successful partner, and and uh, was Eddie, and and we're talking about the brothers. In the states, was uh, was Hector. Mondo at the beginning of the Olympic, but you know I spent more time with Hector. In the United States, that the, the, when we were with uh, AWA, it was Hector, Mondo, and I. So it's like I, I was with all of them. They were with all, they were all with me. And uh, I enjoyed, but we had just some stories there with where Mondo and I, you know, we fought it out in the dressing room, went up in the in the uh, the ring as a tag team, had a great match, came back down and continued our fighting, man. That's just brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Guerrero stories, brother. There's a lot of them, and they're all posted true. That's the way. I think that's part are. of what I think that's part of what made us, man, to tell you, to tell you the truth. And Chavo, you know, and I have had some more differences, but, but you know, you learn as you as you get older. You learn to listen to each other more, and 
And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been difficult. I'm, I'm not going to tell you no lie. It's, you know, being brothers and being in the same business and, and uh, you got to take care of yourself. And, and then I was the older one. My dad always said, take care of your brothers. And, and you know, it's here and there. You can put all kind of crescendos and, I mean, all kind of, of, of uh, uh, situations in there. But it's, it's been fun. It's been fun and we've learned and now we talk a lot better. We usually don't talk about business. We just talk about life, about about uh, situations. Try not to talk about business because we then we get you know the the business part takes over and and we're you know the ego comes in. And so, but right now we're all getting along, along good, and that to me is fantastic, brother. I love it. Oh yeah, I can, definitely. I can have a yeah. sit down conversation with my son. And I get mad, and Mavo and Mondo, Hector, and, uh, you know, it's just all good. It's all good. Respect. And it's, took, it's taken a while to, uh, for all of us to come together on that. First of all, all the glory to God. And, uh, and uh, you know, we, we, we matured and we've learned, and it's all, it's all good. It's all good. And, you know, you mentioned six-man tags and stuff in Mexico, Hector and Eddie and everything. Did you like the Mexico? No, no, Mexico, Mexico, was, Mexico was Mondo and Eddie. We oh, were the, okay. Oh, Mondo, yeah. okay. Mondo was the brawler. I was the wrestler, and Eddie was the flyer. And we made a lot of, and we had a lot of fights up there with the guys in and out of the ring. But, and we had some fantastic matches, so all main events, brother. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you like the Mexican style, or, or did you prefer more of the Japanese? Brother, again, style? we don't wrestle Mexican style. We don't wrestle American style. We don't. We wrestle our own style, and we adopt to their style a little bit. But we bring our style in, and we make it happen. But it's all called wrestling, and then you incorporate their style in. But first, you make them. You you tell the people. You show the people what it is. W r r s e t l i n g. You wrestle and you do it with grace, and then you put their style in. Are incorporated where it becomes where it's becomes the Guerrero stuff, and it's worked for us. In Mexico, you fly a little bit more. In Japan, you wrestle a little bit more. In the States, you do a little bit more high spots. That's it. Put all that together at the right time, and uh, you control the people. You never let the people control you. You can you you might have those people. Booing at you at the beginning, but at the end you got them laughing or hating you. You've done your job. That is that is very very true. Did you actually prefer being a heel, or did you prefer being a heel? A heel. A heel. I love a heel, man. I can be more myself. Because as a baby face, it don't matter if you lost your wife or, or you have hemorrhoids or or you're, or you're having a bad day. You got to go out there and smile. <laughs> as a heel, bro, it don't matter. You go out there and. And the meaner you are that day, the meaner you look. <laughs> and I have, of course, you know, I, I have fun as a baby, but as a heel, brother, oh, man, I used to love to get people mad. You know, the interviews where I would say, I would, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I don't know if Hector told you about this, but we were doing an interview where we were wrestling for Bill Watts, and we had the Mexican gimmick going on. We had the Serapi, we had the, the Sombreros, and we had to went out with chili peppers and throw them out. So I was doing an interview. This was in Oklahoma, you know. And I was saying, well, you know what? Let me tell you about you uh, cowboys out there. Some the first cowboys were from Mexico. First, 
de, you look at your words, Lariat, Lariata, Pinto, Pinto, Chaps, Chapas. We showed you, we showed the Mexicans, showed you how, how to cowboy, and that got a heat right away, right? Because it's a fact. And then Hector would be behind me on the guitar, ay, 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 oh, yeah, gringuito, we beat you at the Alamo. Oh, man, brother. They were, I'll tell you what, in, in Florida, in, in Miami, we have to have five, five cops escort us in and out of the ring. And in Baton Rouge, and it's just so many times we were on riots, man. It's just unbelievable. We love That's this. Wrestling definitely, uh, no matter where you are, if it's a territory, if it's a country, it's always going to translate. Because like John said earlier, it's the language that everybody speaks when you get in the ring. But I just want to move forward a little bit uh, forward because, you know, I know the, uh, the, you know, the listeners definitely remember you from your WWE run alongside your son. And kind of, uh, John and I were talking about before we got on the interview tonight, how, you know, you were brought in originally as part of, a, of an angle between Eddie and Chavo, which had been done before in WCW, but this time adding the family flavor to it. How did you feel about getting in there and working with Eddie, against Eddie, but this time teaming with your son? Well, I had been out of it for a while, you know, and I'd had some issues with some things that, that are in my book. And uh, I was sure up to death when I, but, you know, when I got in the ring, I kind of froze a little bit. I hadn't done that for a while in WWE, you know, whoa. But, man, I got, as soon as I started talking, boom, we kicked right in. And uh felt good, man. I was happy. felt really, really good working with my brother and with my son. And, and then they started pushing me more, and then they started, I started wrestling. And, and, man, that was really nice, you know, but. And there was a lot of little things here and there. The way they they presented it, you know, the the producers would come up and, and say, for example, when they wanted me to win the championship. But of course, you know, since an old man, well, you know, fifty five years old at the time, I don't think it went over too good with my son. But my son being a professional, but you know, just a little, you know, we're wrestlers, man. We got to take care of our image. So I'm sure it was a little. Thing going there, and of course, you know, in the dressing room, there was some kind of, uh, you know, uh, indirects at me, but you know, they wouldn't tell me to my face. So, yeah, what they said about that, I don't care. If they don't tell me to my face, it doesn't matter. I learned that a long time ago. So, you know, uh, it was fun. It was fun and just kind of short lived, and that was, you know, they wanted to do something that I, you know, you never know what they want to do, really. But uh, they started doing this underwear shit, and and uh, and I saw where it was going, and and I, I Lauren Ice and I were just not getting along. And then some things happened here and there, where where Chavo was Chavo at the California Alley Club, and here and there. So it just came down to I missed a couple of shots, and boom, boom. But it was still fun while it lasted. The uh, the promo, your initial promo where you come on, I think is uh, is one of the highlights of the run because it's ob- it's obviously it's the three of you, it's Eddie, Chavo, and yourself, and it's a nice little little heel turn there on Eddie and uh, lining with Chavo. But you know, you guys did accomplish a lot, like you just kind of covered there. But you know, one of the things I think that stands out is at the time they kind of were doing a similar thing with Bob Orton and Randy Orton, but then you have yourself and you have Chavo, and I think you definitely added to uh, you know the the, the advancement of Chavo as an individual heel persona, 
uh, splitting off from, from Eddie as a tag team. But at that point, you know, the cruiserweight division, they were definitely trying to get behind it. You did become, you know, quote, the oldest cruiserweight champion uh, in history, but they have a, a big emphasis on that now. But when the, when you did get the belt, did you just think that was kind of silly, or did you actually, like you said, did you kind of I never think wrestling is silly, brother. I never think wrestling is silly, except when I watch WWE now. But when I'm in it, it's not silly. It's wrestling, it's work, and I do my best to be a professional. And if I think it's going to be silly, I won't do it. Because a, a long time ago, a lot of people told us, you guys are too real. So wrestling to me is my life. So it's never silly to me. Never. It's professionalism. And it was a storyline, and I did it to the best of my ability. That was a storyline, and I knew I had to drop it here somewhere. And uh, No, because then I got myself in more shape, and I, saw, and I had some good matches. So, you know, with Ray Ray, they, they, that's when they, they, that was my last match, and, and they took it down from seven to five to two to three minutes, I think, or two. And, but I got my stuff in, and that was a good little match there, and I put Ray Ray over with, with flying colors, man. So there's nothing something silly about when, you, when it's your turn to win, you win. When it's your turn to lose, you lose, and you do it with grace. It's how you sell it, okay? I can be 105 years old. If I sell it right, I can be the, the best champion ever and get the people going for me and then make them not think that of my age. That's where the professionalism comes in. That's where you make money. You convince the people what you want them what you, what you want them to believe. You, you make them buy what you want. You are the salesman. You make them buy it. And if you can do, make them pay tickets for that, then you've done your job. Without a doubt. And you mentioned uh, Ray Mysterio, and he's a great ambassador for professional wrestling. And working with Ray, obviously, I don't know if that was one of the highlights of your WWE tenure, but like I said, definitely an ambassador for pro wrestling worldwide. Uh, but how was uh, how was working with Ray and getting to do that on the uh, the big stage? Ah, uh, but it wasn't one of my highlights. That's just where I lost my belt. Ray, I wrestled Ray a lot of times in Mexico. You know, they, they just happened to be that that's the guy they wanted me to drop it to. You know, my highlight was tagging out with my son. I've tagged up with all my brothers, but never my son. That was my highlight, tagging up with Eamon. And uh, being able to put some tights on and be in his corner, not only as a manager, but as a, as a wrestler. And, and uh, you know, a couple of matches, they didn't let me do much. And I wasn't ready to do much. I was still getting my bearings again. But, you know, we had some matches in Europe that were awesome. We went to Europe, and, and that was my highlight, man. That, that was the whole tour. You know, wrestling against Eddie, and, but that didn't just last long. You know, then he became champion, and w- watching him win in... Uh, being part of the show where he won the championship in San Francisco and where Chavo won the junior heavyweight, and I was part of that, that was a highlight, man. There's nothing about me. My highlight was being with my brother and my, and my son. That, that's a highlight right there. That was my highlight, being able to be in the same room and make history and uh, get a little teary out here, you know, knowing that my dad's watching and, and how proud he would be. Now I can say that I tag up with my father, my brothers, and my son. That's the only one that's lacking on my grandson, if he ever becomes a wrestler. And I'm still around, maybe he just carrying his towel or something, you know. But that's that's the highlight right there, brother. It's not about me. It's not about any other um, wrestler. My highlight is still Wama Guerrero, number one. And that's my highlight. Was it cool when you teamed with your son in El Paso, Texas, and you guys were wrestling for the tag team title? I just told you, brother, my highlight. Of course it was cool. I look forward to it every day. 
and being in El Paso too is, you know, we're just awesome too because obviously Guerrero is so synonymous with El Paso, Texas. But as I start to wind it down a bit here, you know, we talked about that match obviously being a huge highlight, the Raleigh Piper matches. But do you have a, a favorite match that really sticks out, or maybe a couple favorite matches besides? Ah, uh, brother, who's the best? Which is the best match? Who's the best wrestler you ever wrestled? Come on, man, that's a no-no question. It, everybody, you try to make every match the best. You know, you try to have the best match of the night. My father and uh, Cyclone Negro told me also, you, you watch every match, and you, and you, especially the one before you. If they work an arm, unless, until you get real, real good, you can go up there and work an arm. If they work an arm, you work ahead. See what the people are buying. You go out there and check the crowd out because you can have the same crowd the same night. I mean, same crowd, same building, same ring, same wrestlers on a different night, and you, you, they're, they're totally different. So you go out there and you see how the crowd, and then you go there and you make that crowd buy what you want them to buy. That's when you, you get seasoned. That's that's what it's all about. It's not, you know, you try, I've had all my matches were great, I think, anyway. I try to have the best match of the night, and I usually did. Uh, uh, of course, again, that's my opinion, but they, you can compare it, you can judge for yourself. That's fine. I don't care. Um so, you know, what's my best match? Everybody, man. I can't say, well, this match and that match. I enjoyed every match. I don't think there's a match that I never enjoyed. I might have had some bad matches that, you know, Manny Fernandez, I had a match with him that was really, really stunk. One in a million. So, it, it's, it's a hard question. And, you know, which is my favorite? <laughs> They're all favorites to me, man. And would Roddy Piper rank up there as your, you know, your greatest opponent? In that territory, yeah. I didn't wrestle him anywhere else except there. So, yeah, in L.A., I mean, that's not demeaning anything or nothing. Again, I had my opponents in L.A. I had great opponents besides Roddy in L.A. I had Terry Funk. I had Dory Funk. I had Hardy Race. I had Superstar Billy Graham. I had Mick uh, Buckwinkle. I used to wrestle them all over the world. Roddy, I just wrestled in L.A. So, I mean, don't put you against this, you know, I mean, in L.A., yeah, that was my longest feud. But, you know, you, you uh, we wrestled for three years in a row, so it had to be good, right? Oh, yeah. A- absolutely. Uh, Chavo, as we, uh, as we start to really, we end the interview, we definitely, like I said at the beginning, we like to talk about the legacy of the Guerrero family is what we did, but I want to talk about with you, what would you say at the end of the day, you're going to leave um, professional wrestling. Like you said, you're on your way to Japan in two weeks. But what is it that Chavo Guerrero Sr. is going to leave on professional wrestling when he is done for good? Yeah, well, we'll see when I'm done, and then you, I'll let you know. I'm not done yet. I'm still Chavo Guerrero. I'm the original Chavo Guerrero, and I'm still around. They're still, you know, hell, who, who would have thought I'd be wrestling at 67 and still doing a good job and still working out? The Lord has blessed me, man. And I'm enjoying it. So hey, who knows? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> foretell my legacy, brother. Hey, I'm still around, man. So why do I leave? Respect, respect. Have the wrestlers respect, especially the the, the veterans, man. The ones that paved the way for you. Uh, have respect for this business. Be jealous about it. Uh, you know, be caring about it. Be professional. As a business, it means a lot to us, man. 
So, you know, that's, I don't like people disrespecting my business, especially a wrestler. Those are the guys that love to wrestle in the ring and slap the shit out of them without the people knowing that I'm doing it. Because they didn't come and see a fight, they came and see a wrestling match. So you slap the shit out of them and then hide it and make it look like it's storyline. So, having said that, uh, I, I, you know, just, you know, hey, I'm not the one to pay my, 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 my story to have the people be their own judges. Some people like me, some people don't. But my wrestling has always been there. My wrestling is good, and that's what I get paid for. So my work is good, and, and I'm a professional doing that. And we've heard about the book, and we can't wait for the book to come out. But if you want to share with the fans of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling, any other places that they can find Chavo Guerrero and possibly uh, any more about the book, if you have to offer it, please do. The floor is yours. Well, it's coming out right now. Uh, it's just coming out, man. You know, I don't want to say when. I've, I've, I've said when too many times. And, but, you know, if you want to buy it, buy it. I guarantee it'll be a good read. Uh, I'm just not trying to put it in the Internet because there's so much piracy going on everywhere, if you know what I mean. You know, a lot of these people making money off of us, and, and some of us are, well, I've been blessed, you know, but some of the guys, man, they're suffering. They, You know, whether they invested the money well or not, or whether they have had bad luck or bad health or whatever it is, you know, you take somebody else's name that that, that, that sweat and, and blood and, and, and years in it, and you start making money of it without putting anything into it. Come on, man. That's not even sound right. You know, and then they do it underneath your noses. That's even worse. So, you know, I'm just trying to put the product out there that people are going to enjoy and it's truthful. And, uh, and like I said, proud of it. Proud of it. And not have it pirated everywhere. But see what happens, man. It's in the Lord's hands. But we're on our way. If nothing else will happen is this. The future wrestlers will have somebody that fought for them, somebody that stood up and said, this enough is enough. Whether we win or not, we already won because it's already going into litigation. That right there is saying, you know what? We're standing up for our right, period, over and out, period. Like I said, it was an honor to speak with your son and speak with your brother and to add you in. We just are floored by it and appreciate it all the time tonight. It's been fantastic. Man. I enjoyed it. You guys made me, made me reminisce of some good, some good stuff, man. There's a saying in Mexico that says, uh, which means to reminisce and to live again, if it, even if it's only for a little bit. You guys made me, uh, you made me relive a little bit. That's good. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.